Tell me who hath believed, hath believed our report, and to whom is it revealed, the mighty arm of the Lord. Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson. I'd like you to join me in the ministers of music from here, Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which is the power of God. Four nights before the nearly successful communist coup in Indonesia in 1965, God sovereignly began pouring out a spirit in a small town in the little-known island of Timor. He alerted the Christians to pray, and the country was remarkably spared. The revival that started immediately began sending evangelistic teams traveling throughout Timor and the surrounding islands, proclaiming the gospel performing the same miracles that occurred with the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead. One of those that witnessed the outpouring and became part of the revival is a friend of this ministry's. His name is Mel Torrey. Mel is a friend of Doyle's, who's the president of this ministry, and has given me permission to share some of his experiences when he was in Indonesia. One of his experiences fits well with what I'm preaching today. Mel shares where his team were sent to a small village to share the gospel. They spent the night with a host and hostess. Well, the night before, Mel ministered to the hostess of the house, and she received Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. The next morning when she was getting breakfast ready for them, she fell over dead. And the Spirit of the Lord told the team to go pray for the woman and raise her from the dead. But the team couldn't believe that that was God. Couldn't believe that God had that much power. And the woman had a funeral and she was buried. That event caused great sorrow to Mel Torrey and the people that were with him. Because they realized they did not believe the Spirit of God that was speaking to them. And they prayed that if God would allow them another opportunity to obey God and raise the dead. And they were given that opportunity. A little while later, they were asked to go to another village to minister at a funeral. That the person that was dead was well known and that there were going to be quite a few people there. In fact, Mel said at first that there were supposed to be hundreds. And that these people thought that Mel Torrey's team would minister some comfort to these people. Well, it turned out that a thousand people showed up. And as they were sitting there with the mourners, waiting for the funeral to begin, the Lord spoke to them and said, I want you to go to that body and I want you to stand around it and I want you to sing songs. And if you will do that, I will raise him from the dead. Well, there's one thing different about Indonesia and America. In Indonesia, they don't embalm bodies and funerals, and they don't make the body look pretty. And this person that had died had already been dead two days. And as Mal Torres tells it, the woman that they didn't pray for before was only dead a few minutes. This man was dead for two days. And not only that, he was dead in the tropics for two days. He said in Indonesia, after six hours, that body starts to decay. They don't embalm it. So you have a stench 
like you can't believe when that body lays out in the open for two days. With that, people can't even get within 100 feet of this body. The funeral wasn't right next to the body. You can't get close to it because of the stench, because of the death, because of the flies. And now God is telling the team, I want you to go next to the body and I want you to stand around it and I want you to sing and I'll raise him from the dead. They looked at each other and they said, we're crazy. But there was so much remorse from the first time that they disobeyed God, they said, we can't do that again. So they got up and they went to the body and they stood around it. Mel said, they were standing there, the flies were everywhere. He said, the stench was horrific and they had to open their mouth and sing. He said, they sang the first song and in his heart he was saying, oh Lord, please raise him quick so we can get out of here. They sang the first song, nothing happened. They sang the second song, nothing happened. They sang the third song and the fourth song and the fifth song. Nothing happened. Mel said they were thinking, we're crazy. We're crazy. We're crazy. The stench is awful. I can't even breathe. But they kept singing. On the sixth song, this dead man's toes started moving. Now you would think you'd get excited, but that made them more afraid. See, they had a saying in Indonesia that if you got too close to a dead person, that they would raise up real quick, give you a really nice death hug, and then die again. Now this man's toes moving. And they were afraid that this person was going to raise up, hug somebody, and then die again. But they didn't move. They didn't move. They were going to obey God this time. So they kept singing. In the seventh song, nothing really happened. But on the eighth song, the eighth song, the man woke up, woke up alive. And as Mel said with great relief, he didn't raise up and hug anybody. He just got up and spoke. The dead man became alive after two days, got up and spoke. And he said, friends, there is a heaven and a hell. He said, I've been there. I've experienced it. He said, there is a death, but you don't die. He said, there's a heaven and a hell. And he said, if you don't have Jesus, you won't go to heaven. This is a dead man speaking that's now alive. He said, you have to have Jesus. Do you know, because that team stood around a body and sang eight songs to obey God so that the Spirit of God could raise him from the dead, not the team. The Spirit of God raised him from the dead. Do you know that that man's testimony, 21,000 people in Indonesia received Christ? Pretty cool story, isn't it? I want to have a song here. We're going to have the Water of Life Quartet singing, I've been to Calvary. That's what that man that had been dead for two days said. You have to have Jesus. Listen to this song and let it minister to you. I've never tried. 
Thank you. Father, let the power of my Lord be great. Let the power of my Lord be great and grant thy people repentance. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like you to turn to Romans 3. And I'm going to begin in verse 3. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Does it matter to God if you believe it or not? Not on his behalf. It's good for you. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Look at this next statement. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. I have been sharing about the events of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and I'm going to continue to do so. And I want to challenge you with this verse. Let God be true, let every man a liar. I want you to consider what God did with the body of Jesus. And we're going to look at what happened to that body of Jesus when Jesus went to hell. I'd like us to turn to John 19, verse 31. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day. This includes Jesus' body and the two thieves. For the Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him, with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw he was dead already. So the soldiers saw that Jesus was dead. And they broke not his legs, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came out blood and water. And he saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true that you might believe. 
For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture, they looked on him whom they pierced. We have a dead body on the cross. Now remember, this dead body had every bone out of joint. This dead body had no form, no comeliness, no beauty, no form. All right? Then after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes about a hundred pounds weight. They then took the body of Jesus, wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of Jews is to bury. This is a body without form, every bone with, without joint. They weren't in joint. So they had to kind of put the body back together to wrap it in the linen. They have a dead body. Now in a place where he was crucified, there was a garden. In the garden, a new sepulcher was never man yet laid. There they laid Jesus because it was a Jews preparation day for the sepulcher was now at hand. Okay, now we, we see, we've got a dead body. We've got it wrapped in linen. We had it where he had to probably put back the form because every bone was out of joint. Now he's laid in a tomb. He's dead. He's dead. Let's go to Acts 2. Okay, I'm going to begin in verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. This is Peter talking about Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Do you get that? The foreknowledge of God. None of this is a surprise to Jesus or the Father. You have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. This is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking out of Psalm 16. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, Moreover, my flesh shall rest in hope. My flesh shall rest in hope. The next verse, because that will not leave my soul in hell. And here's the phrase I want us to get to. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one, Jesus, to see corruption. Do you know what this verse is saying? Do you know what this verse is saying? This verse is saying that body saw no decay. That body saw no decay. Let God be true and every man a liar. You have got to look at this and make a decision. Is God true and every man a liar? Or are you going to believe your science? Let God be true and every man a liar. The word of God, which cannot be broken, states his body saw no corruption. Amen. 
no corruption. That body laying in the grave, marred more than any man, every bone out of joint, so bad he didn't even have a form, saw no corruption, saw no decay. I just shared a story about you, a dead man in, in Indonesia that had much decay. But this body had no decay, none. And it states, the verse before it, why it had no decay. Verse 26, therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also, this is Jesus speaking, moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Jesus spoke that. Jesus is now his soul and his spirit is in hell. But his flesh laying in that grave at rest in hope. Do you know what that word rest means in the Greek? It means the same thing as pitching a tent and dwelling in it. Living in a tent. That flesh dwelt, lived in hope. Now, I want to speak about the word hope. I am a retired school teacher. I have been a grammar teacher and English teacher, and I've taught elementary education, lots of grammar. I grew up with a grandmother that taught grammar. I know some grammar. And words have always been very important to me, very important. There is power in words, and there is much power in the words of God. Our word hope that you and I use today is not the hope that this body rested in. It is not. When you and I say hope today, we mean we wish. We mean maybe. But this word hope does not mean that. This word means expectation. Expectation. Jesus' flesh rested, dwelt in expectation. What was it expecting? It dwelt, it lay in the grave in expectation. Flesh, not a soul, not a spirit, but flesh rested in expectation. What was it waiting for? It was waiting for that soul and spirit to come right back into it. Because it knew, it knew, it knew that Jesus' spirit and soul was coming back to inhabit it. Let's go back to the very beginning of this. Verse 24, whom God has raised up, talking of Jesus, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible. It was not possible that death, he could be holding of it. It was not possible. It wasn't possible that death was going to hold Jesus. It wasn't possible. That's why that flesh rested in hope, rested in expectation, because it wasn't possible that that body was going to remain in hell. It wasn't possible. Do you know if it wasn't possible that Jesus' soul and spirit was going to remain in hell, that it was coming back into that body, that it's not possible that we will not be forgiven? 
It is not possible that we will not be healed. It is not possible that we will not be prosperous. It is not possible that we will not be delivered. Why? Because it's not possible that that soul and spirit would remain in hell. And his flesh knew it. His flesh knew it. I want us to go to Acts 4. I want to read a verse to you. Verse 27. This is Peter and John praying to the Father. They're talking to God, Jehovah, Jesus' Father. You're in my Father. And he says, For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together. And look at this next verse, 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine before to be done. Thy hand, the Father's hand, and thy counsel determined before to be done. The Father determined that Jesus was going to come to the earth from the foundation of the earth and die and be buried and raised again. And you know what? That flesh knew it. It saw no corruption. It saw no decay. That is glorious news for us. Let's have a song here. We're going to have the sweet 16 sing, I proclaim, minister to you, I proclaim the name of the Lord. In this song, you will meet and hear of the personality of God.
You say, I am in a tight corner. Stay the course. You say, I think I've made a mistake. I'm going to have to change. Stay the course. Stay the course. Does not my word say, make straight paths for your feet, that that which is lame may be healed? Stay the course. Stay the course. Does not my word say, hold fast your confidence. It has great recompense of reward. Stay the course. Stay the course. I say to you, stay the course. Amen. Do you need born again? Do you need anything from God? You will find it in the gospel. You will find it that Jesus died for you, that he was buried for you, that he was raised again for you. That is where you're going to find your answer. All that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Go to him. Call on that name of the Lord. Call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. And he will reveal to you that gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. And he will lead you out of any situation you are in. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the musicians from Water of Life Church. She'd love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, at KathyDavidsonWOL.com. That's W-O-L for Water of Life. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, P.O. Box 861327, Plano, Texas, 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.KathyDavidsonWOL.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.